Hello, everyone, and welcome to Nice to Meet You. This is your host, Simone, and this is a podcast of conversations with friends and strangers where we talk about life and lessons learned along the way. Today, we have with us Rebecca, and Rebecca, if you could introduce yourself and tell everybody how we met. Okay, excellent. Um, so, uh, my name is Rebecca Luizel. You guys can call me Becca, and that's what my friends and family call me. So, um, we met, I guess you could say, over the internet. <laughs> Um, and we were doing some research just on podcasts, um, that are related to either women, women in film, um, or, uh, for our web series, the Pantheon, the Greek gods. Um, so that's another, so we've been going on different podcasts, kind of chatting about our show and just, you know, filmmaking and, um, being a woman in this industry and that kind of thing. So oh, cool. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, no problem. Um, so where are you from? Um, originally I'm from Minneapolis, St. Paul, Minnesota, and I came to California when I had just graduated from undergrad, um, and I've been living in California ever since. So I've been bouncing back and forth between Northern and Southern California. I first went to the Bay Area and then, um, came down to LA the first time and then went up to Sacramento, um, I went up to Sacramento with my ex-partner, and then I moved back to L.A. for grad school, and um, I've been in L.A. since I graduated uh-huh. as well. How did you like Minneapolis growing up there? Uh, it was good. So I, it's a little more complicated because we actually moved around for a bit. Um, my dad, um, my parents are in education, and my dad um, <clears throat> is by trade a professor of ele- elementary education. Mm-hmm. And so... Everyone always thinks you're in the military if you move around a lot, which can definitely be true. But yeah, that's the little-known fact <laughs> is that... It really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the little-known fact is that the other profession that moves around a lot is um, our, our, you know, university professors. So we were... My parents are both from Minnesota. They met in Minnesota um, when they were in college. But shortly after that, they moved to Virginia. So I was actually born in Richmond. Um, but oh, we wow. didn't so you've been all over the long. place. Yeah, exactly. So um, we lived in North Dakota. We lived in Wisconsin. We lived in Illinois. And we lived in El Paso, Texas, in addition to Minnesota when I was growing up. But I love Minneapolis-St. Paul. They're known, you probably know, as the Twin Cities. Um, yeah. And um, they're, it's a great place. It's a... Um, the weather, you know, I used to love the cold and snow. Now I've been in California for a while. I don't love it so <laughs> it's much. hard to go back, I bet. But the people are amazing. And it's a, it's a town that, or two towns, I should say, that really care about the arts. And growing up there when I was in elementary school, we actually had, you know, an arts after school program. And we also took music lessons. And we had art in school at that time as well. And that's something that's disappearing from um, American education, which I think is really sad. Um, but, you know, in, in the upper Midwest, you'll find that the arts are still alive and publicly supported, which is pretty neat. Mm-hmm. So how did you get to California? What was like your journey there? So, California. So, I have an aunt who had actually kind of been going back and forth between Minneapolis um, and uh, and uh, San Francisco area because she got this writing fellowship through the Minnesota State Arts Board to live at the San Francisco Marin Headlands. They have, um, like, an artist and writers kind of retreat center there. And so, she got this fellowship to live there. And while she was out there, she met a boyfriend who is now her husband, mm-hmm. uh, many years, um, 
And so she was going back and forth, uh, writing, getting to know him between Minneapolis and the Bay Area. And so I visited her when I was 18 and um, the summer, um, it was the summer right before I started college. And I fell in love with it. And part mm-hmm. of that, it for me, was that, um, you know, I identify as queer. And um, for me, being in San Francisco at that time, it was so amazing just to look around. Mm-hmm. It was I a lot stumbled. different than Minneapolis. Sorry, go ahead. It was a lot different than Minneapolis. Um, well, Minneapolis definitely is very accepting of the LGBT community now. I would say when I first got to the Bay Area... Maybe it was just because I was out of my home state, but I think it, it, it when you I stumbled into the Castro kind of by accident, mm-hmm. and so you look around and there's everybody holding hands. You know, it's just very very open, and the LGBT presence is undeniable. You know, in San Francisco, so um, and especially uh, especially I think at that time when I was coming out there, um, it was a revelation for me. So. I was like, wow, this place is really cool. It has so much going on. Um, and I just, when I, so when I got time to graduate um, from undergrad, I just thought, well, I'm going to go to San Francisco. And I already had a couple of friends of mine from college that were like a year or two ahead of me that had moved there. Okay. And my best friend from college was also like, uh, what are you doing after you graduate? I was like, I think I'm moving to San Francisco. She's like, maybe I'll move there too. <laughs> so it all worked out. And then, yeah, yeah I kind of never looked back. Like, I, I miss Minnesota. My dream would be to be bi-coastal, but with Minnesota, you know? No. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, as of right now, cannot afford to do that. So we go – my wife is from um, Chicago, so we do go back to the Midwest a few times a year. Yeah. Um, but um, – we we don't we are not able to live back in yeah that seems expensive <laughs> so um, what do you find interesting what do i find interesting um i guess i find people very interesting i would say uh, the same thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah i like um i i like getting to know people um and um I don't know, I guess just differences and similarities in people. Um, And I think I also find interesting kind of some of the deeper ways of looking at people and the world, I guess, in a way, like thinking about philosophy and um, politics and psychology and sociology. Not that I'm an expert in any one of those things at all, (laughs) but I do think that um, thinking about anything from multiple perspectives is kind of what I like to do. Yeah. Probably how I found my way into being an artist of sorts. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, I think that's probably things that I find interesting. I mean, I find... Um, but yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm, I, I feel grateful because in general, I'm almost never bored. You know, there's always something interesting to think about, um, whether it's thinking of a friend and a problem they're going through and, um, you know, how to support them or the state of the world right now. And how does that mirror history and how is it different from history and thinking about the future and, how science fiction is not really fiction anymore. It's now, now you know, so. Especially um, now, yes. 
So those are, I don't know, those are kind of some of the things that I like to think about. It's a good list of things. <laughs> yeah. Um, how did you get into like art and what's your favorite medium? Um, how did I get into it? I've kind of just been doing visual art and writing, honestly, as long as I can remember. Like my dad has like kind of the first story I ever wrote, which he helped me write because I didn't know how to write yet. <laughs> so I just, he like took dictation. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what it was about, but um, yeah, just kind of always did it in elementary school, high school, college. Um, and after college, I got really into um, working with young people and doing um, policy advocacy around um, bicycles and healthy communities and things like that. And so I wasn't doing as much visual art or writing at that time. I was kind of more focused on trying to change the world in my own small way um whether or not that's been successful dubious but <laughs> it was you know it was it was uh, it only yeah. takes a ripple I guess um, yeah exactly hopefully um and then I actually um when I was 31 I got diagnosed with a chronic health condition and that kind of prompted me to think about my life as it was and realize that I couldn't continue on the way that I was continuing on and I needed to make a change and what kind of change would I want to make and part of that was you know what I I am like art I want to get back to making art basically so yeah um so I started trying to uh and I had in undergrad I had studied studio art actually and it took me a long time to figure out that I was gonna study that in undergrad because I was interested in a lot of different things and I didn't quite realize that being interested in a lot of different things might mean that you're an artist right <laughs> um until later on in the game and so I declared the latest you could declare and still remain un- enrolled um so I had the studio art background and that was a lot of painting drawing photography my BA thesis project was photography and mixed media installation and um then I um, had made a video at that time and I thought, wow, this is so cool. You know, it's like, um, I just kind of fell in love with that. And, but I kind of didn't do too much of it until about 10 years later when I was like, wait a minute, I want to get back to making art and I really liked making that video. And so what about film? And so then I started taking classes at the the community college in Sacramento. um, And, uh, and then, and then I applied to film school, uh, at that, after that point. So it's been a journey. Yeah. (laughs) I see. What was, um, your favorite film that you've made? What is your favorite film that you've made? My favorite film that I've made? Um, very good question. Um, probably has to be my thesis short film, Gender Freak. Um, that film, just meant a lot to me because it kind of combined um, my previous work with LGBT youth and my own experience kind of growing up LGBT um, and this kind of future career as a filmmaker. Um, and it did, it went to a lot of festivals and it's in distribution now, which I'm grateful for. Oh, great. Um, but I also have to say, I think... My, I think that film will always have a special place in my heart. Um, my wife did the music on it. I met her through that pro. I oh, met wow. her, and then I was looking for a composer, and she was like, I'm a composer, and 
I was like, oh, well, I have this film. She's like, oh, that's right up my alley. And so this film will always hold a special place in my heart. But I also think that I'm looking forward to the films that I will make, too. I haven't yet directed a feature film um, that's been, you know, that's been produced. And so um, I'm kind of looking forward to the next step, I guess you could say. Yeah. Do you have them already written or are you currently writing them? Yeah, I have a feature written. This one is a kind of in a similar vein as the short film. It's about a trans teenager, and um, they are kind of trying to get their life together while they're falling in love with a straight girl who's about to leave for college in the fall. And so it's this kind of coming of age romance set in the high school in the um, in the summer between like the traditional um, you know senior year of high school and first year of college but yeah this kid yeah. is not going to go straight through because he's got a he's a smart kid but he's got to figure out some things academically before he can kind of go to a four-year transfer to a four-year school so um yeah it's so i have it written we um are trying to produce it ourselves but we need to find investors and um that's been a longer journey than i thought it would be <laughs> i guess you could say um and we're just we're just trying to do it. I have other projects that I have been writing. Um, various, some of them are more along the TV sh- show lines um, in terms of pitch bibles and and pilots and original pilots and things like that. Um, and I have other feature ideas. But my big project outside of this feature right now is I'm trying to write a YA novel this year, and this is a sci-fi project, um, and. The reason that I wanted to do that was kind of to be able to play a little bit because mm-hmm. I think once I graduated film school, you kind of get in this mindset of like, oh, what can I do to further my career? And it's ultimately not that productive in a way. And I just wanted to feel like, okay, I'm doing something that I'm excited about and that has more of an intrinsic motiv- motiv- motivation, I guess. Yeah, exactly, exactly. When I can explore things and I can explore writing in a different medium and I always wanted to write a novel at some point. So that's what I'm up to <laughs> <laughs> this year. Did you know any um, trans teenagers growing up? I'm kind of curious why you focus like on coming-of-age stories. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really common for LGBT people to focus on coming of age. Maybe someday that will get to change, mm-hmm. like as coming of age becomes less difficult for us as a community. Um, so I am, I'm sure, older than you. Trans, um, like, I remember the debate somewhat of, you know, let's include T in the LGB kind of a thing. Oh, wow. Yeah, and so that was... Um, that was happening like when I was in college. I went to high school in central Minnesota and I was not out. I didn't feel like I could come out. Mm-hmm. Um, I did have one friend who was rumored to be a lesbian and people, people, some people were accepting of her, but other people were kind of shunning her. And um, so it just wasn't a... I mean, there's still environments here in the, you know... Um, in various places where people don't feel safe coming out. But I think in general, younger people... It's a safer environment for them. Yeah, exactly. It's safer. There's more media visibility. You know what I mean? And so so I did have, like, when I did move to San Francisco, I worked for this LGBTQ youth hotline. Oh, yes. Um, 
And um, through that, I became friends with a number of people that identified as trans and um, kind of questioned my own gender at different points. Um, I did get, you know, sirred a lot, You could, I guess you could say, when I was younger. Um, I didn't shave my legs. I ha- was almost <laughs> bald. And it really got me thinking a lot about signifiers and how we use these signifiers that on the face of it could mean nothing, right? If yeah. you have long hair or short hair. But we, we put so much weight on them. So with short hair and with hairy legs, I would people would think I was a man. Mm-hmm. So... Um, and that it's just interesting. Right. And, and, but there's always been a part of me too, that feels like I do have masculine and feminine traits within me. I think most people do. Right. I, I agree. Um, like they say that we have like a certain balance of masculine and feminine energy in all of us. So, yeah, exactly. And I think I've always been able to access both of those kind of, um, but, uh, yeah. So it's something that I've thought about myself and then, um, and the main character of my thesis film is um, genderqueer. And um, kind of through researching that project as well, um, I got connected to some trans stories that felt like needed to be told. The story just sort of um, has emerged, I guess you could say, through a variety of sources. Um, So what advice, I guess, do you have for um, youth that are struggling with either coming out or just what sexual identity, gender identity? Um, I think that I'm not going to tell anyone they have to come out. Yeah, I have a friend who says, like, there's no need to come out to your parents ever until you bring your partner home, basically. (laughs) I think it's a really personal decision, right? Yeah. (laughs) And... So I think, um, but I think that finding a way to be yourself, be authentic to yourself is really important for, you know, anyone's personal development. At least I know it was for me, like, um, you know, I identify as bi and queer, but, uh, for whatever reason, until I kind of proclaimed that to the world, I, it wasn't like no relationships were working for me. You know what I mean? I, I, I was sort of paralyzed. I could not even really date much until I kind of accepted myself. So self-acceptance is one of the most important things, I think. I'm sure it's different for different people. Yeah. I think for me, I had to proclaim it, proclaim it out loud. It was something about me finding my voice, too. Um, and that might also, in a weird way, relate to the art, the art thing as well. Um, something about expression has always been really important to me. And even before I had this struggle of whether or not to come out, I think expression has been important to me. So, um, I don't know, I guess, I guess that's been my journey, but you know, definitely different people struggle with different aspects, I think too. Have you ever worked with any other mediums of art besides film? Yeah. I mean, when I was, um, in college, I did more um, painting and photography and um, a little bit of drawing. I'm not the best drawer. <laughs> um, but painting, photography, I tried my hand at clay work, jewelry making. Also not super great at jewelry <laughs> making. Um, <laughs> but in conceptual art, um, we, we studied that a little bit. And I 
sort of had some adventures with conceptual art, I guess you could say. Um, I think now if I was not a filmmaker, I would maybe do some sort of performance art. Mm. I might try and incorporate that in. I have one project that would incorporate performance art in maybe somehow. Um, so that would be film and performance okay. art. So I don't know. Uh, a random assortment of mediums. I have tried. A lot of ideas I see, like, floating around. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you said earlier about, like, schools not teaching art as much as they should or, like, as much as they used to. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think that we should be teaching our children? I feel like when I was growing up, it was kind of like... I feel like, well, now I think that, like, um, it's become a lot more acceptable to like be creative and like have a creative career. But when I was growing up, it was kind of like focus on your academics and like all your creative things are just like the hobbies that you have to the side that you can do when you're not focusing on academics or something like that. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't know. I guess my impression is that as our U.S. based educational system has become more um, like kind of like the the standard standardized test focused that they've cut from a lot of arts and music and even like sports programs. I guess I'm not a complete expert on the ins and outs of this, but that's a general impression that I've been getting from, um, you know, listening to the news and talking to people um, that have kids in school right now and things like that. Um, I don't think that, you know, I think definitely if you're in a more affluent school district or you're in a private school or something like that, you're not, the the programs may be better, right? There are a lot more resources, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But as far as kind of your average school district in the U.S. right now, my impression is that there's not as much funding for arts and music. And, you know, I guess I, I believe that, you know, ideally everyone does have knowledge about a variety of things, right? You want to have your basics in your math, reading, writing, etc., and science and um, government. I think government funding for teaching government has also really dried up which is really a problem we really need that (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly um and but you know arts music um physical education i these are part of educating a a whole person you know um and a whole citizen i think um after one one of my jobs was actually um in sacramento working with the organization that taught youth policy advocacy And through some of that, I learned a lot about, you know, how bills become a law at the federal and state levels, about local government, how it interacts with state government, how federal and state funding works. Um, And it's stuff that um, is really, I think, important. And um, you don't, you don't realize how much it can impact your life until you kind of start to find out more about it sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I went on a tangent there, but, <laughs> but as far as, you know, I don't know, I, I guess to me, you, for some people art saves their life, you know what I mean? And for other people, it's a hobby. And for some people it's a career. And, um, 
I think an interesting thing right now, too, is if you learn filmmaking, even if you go into science, you might incorporate filmmaking into your science. Like, there are people that are studying videos of hummingbirds, you know, in order to figure out their behavior or how global warming is impacting their, um, you know, habitat or things like that. So um, it's, in some ways, everything is becoming more and more interdisciplinary and, and art can play a role yeah. in that. I was like trying to think of the word. I was thinking of intersectionality and I was like, what is the yeah. word that? <laughs> yeah. Um, so have you thought of like, I was thinking about like just schools and like, what do you think would help these kids, I guess? Would it be like camps or like, mm. do you have any suggestions for people who want to get their kids into the arts? Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Good question. Well, you know, different kids also operate differently. So I think you have to know, you know, your kid as well. Um, like some kids are perfectly, well, some people in general are perfectly happy to learn stuff from YouTube tutorials and it really works for them. And other people need more structure and sort of more support, you know, from um, more of an in-person type situation. Um, but I think it's good to maybe encourage your kid to try the waters, you know what I mean? Of like, okay, well, what do you think you're interested and, oh, you're interested in music? Well, what type of music? Or, oh, you want to try a filmmaking class? Okay, cool. Well, you didn't like that, but you want to try photography? Okay, let's try that. Um, you know, getting them the tools, not the most expensive tools, but not the cheapest tools, ideally, right? Like, um, or whatever you can afford, you know? Um, the AC like, more coupons for, like, 50% off. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly, yeah. Um, so being willing to make a little bit of an investment, I think, Um in in helping the kid, you know, try this thing out. Because um, you don't really know. And, and you don't really know is, like, a, a hobby that lasts your whole lifetime. That could be just as valuable yeah. in terms of your enjoyment of life as, like, oh, this actually becomes their job or something like that. When you left film behind before, did you ever think that you would come back to it? Or was it just, like, not something that was on your mind? Well, I hadn't really done film much at that point. I'd really just barely explored it. So it's kind of like a seed was planted that then grew much later, you know? Yeah. Um, so, in, you know, in terms of leaving art, I was just, like, more called to do these other things. I was impatient kind of with art for art's sake in a way, and I w we'd be in student critiques, and I would just be kind of, like, very, very much like, yeah, but what about, like, people in real life? Like, we're only talking about stuff that is, you know, trying to go to galleries, which is a really like sort of exclusive environment mm -hmm. and um that I was interested in stuff that was kind of more populist more like let's do murals in the streets let's yeah like more uh, political art I guess yeah a little bit yeah absolutely um or just beautiful art that's accessible to everybody you know not not only in galleries or not only in museums you know mm -hmm. um and then so then when I got when I decided to go back into art, I was kind of thinking about it from this other angle of film and um, trying and, and realizing that film, well, TV, you know, moving image, I guess you could say, uh, or media has the capacity to reach a larger audience, you know. Yeah, especially and, with how it can be shared so quickly. Yeah, yeah exactly. So um, so that was that became part of the goal as well, I guess. So what's your dream job now? Oh, my goodness. Such a good question. Um, I actually journaled about this recently. Um, 
I, I would say I always like variety. Mm-hmm. And so my dream job right now would be kind of to, um, if I could get paid to write and direct and teach, I think the breakdown of how much time I would spend on each would vary. You know what I mean? Um, and then there's also stuff I, other stuff I'd like to try. You know what I mean? Like I would like to try doing a podcast. I would like to try, <laughs> um, definitely a part-time job. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's a lot of work, right? That's, People are like, I'm going to start a podcast. I'm going to start a YouTube channel. No, yeah. no big deal, right? It's a lot of work, um, definitely. But um, my wife is a DJ, and sometimes I VJ with her, and it's really fun. So, like, live events is also kind of fun. So you play, um, like, a video along with the... Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, okay, I've never heard of that term. Yeah. I was thinking about getting shirts made that say... She's the DJ, I'm the VJ. <laughs> I don't know, but haven't done that yet. Um, but yeah, it's um, so. I think, in general, I want to write, direct, kind of produce as needed, and teach. I, I teach right now, and I love teaching. Um, but um, you know, I would love to be a showrunner at some point. You know what I mean? So if that meant I had to take time off from some of the other stuff, then. I mean, that would be more focused on writing and, and producing probably and maybe a little directing. But, um, you know, if I'm kind of interested in going where it leads, you, you know? know, if it ends up that I end up writing novels and, you know, who knows? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we never know what's going to happen. Um, I guess writing is like the central focus for you. Writing is definitely one of the central. Uh, so I I always like to say words and pictures. I want to I want to be doing <laughs> words and pictures, you know, in yeah. one way, shape, or form. And music, music's really important to me mm-hmm. as well. What what's like one song that kind of like is one of your favorites that means a lot to you? Um, okay, let me think about that. That's a great question. Hmm. probably have many answers to that question but I think um do you know the band U2 yeah (laughs) so they they have a song called pride in the name of love and um that song in my understanding has um you know is a a social commentary I guess as well um and I used to listen to that song over and over and over again. Um, you know, I like the the music, the lyrics, but the, that it can operate kind of on an artistic level, but also on a kind of level of saying something about society um, is something that I suppose in some ways I aspire to that and, and I respond to that. Um, it's inspiring to me, I guess you could say. Um, do you have any advice for like young filmmakers right now, like, someone who's coming up in like trying to, I guess, like maybe make their first film or like writing their first film. Yeah. Um, so write something that means something or, or make something that means something to you. Um, you know, even if it's not original, somebody else wrote it and you're directing it or you're producing it or you're editing it, um, work on something that, that you think is, either funny or thought provoking or tells your story in some way or that you relate to that's important to you. That's probably my best piece of advice. It just makes something genuine, like whether or not like 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So other than film, what do you like to do for fun? Oh, I like to go hiking. I like the outdoors. Um, I go to yoga. I read. I cook. Have friends over. Um, we sing in a chorus, and we perform with a chorus. Um, what else? What else do I like to do? Um, hang out. Um, my wife has me playing video games with her <laughs> <laughs> on occasion. I'm um, not a great video game player, so that's why I'm laughing. <laughs> you are or not? No, I'm not at all. Okay. I'm not, a, I'm not, I haven't been, I've, I've dabbled here and there, you know, but, um, but yeah, she, she gets me into it. Um, we have a projector and so we project onto the wall. Wow. That's um, nice. Well, actually onto the screen. But we, the, our screen is too heavy for our ceiling, and so I'm looking up at it right now. So we, um, we ended up with just like a, a poster board as our screen because that's like easy to mount on the ceiling and then pull it down when we want to watch stuff. So it's kind of silly, but um, we were doing that the other day. My brother, yeah, he actually has one of those too, like a projector. I was like, that's really nice. I guess especially like if you are really into filmmaking, then <laughs> that must be nice. Yeah, exactly. Well, we don't have a regular TV, and so we just use like a computer hooked up to the projector. So that's kind of our workaround, I guess you could say, for watching Netflix, yes. etc. <laughs> so I, I assume that you probably get asked this question a lot, um, but what's your favorite film that I guess you haven't made? <laughs> Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, also, many of those. My favorite film has been, for many years, The Princess Bride. And what I love about that film is that it is kind of like nerdy fantasy, but kind of a spoof in a way. Mm -hmm. And it has everything. It has like action, romance, sword fighting, um, danger, humor. It's, really, it's a very funny film, I think. Um, but, you know, I like a lot of types of of films um and I'm toying with the notion of selecting a different favorite film <laughs> I'll get back to you okay. when I figure it out <laughs> so I was curious more about like your childhood um growing up in Minneapolis correct St. Paul actually but yeah um so was it like a religious sort of town or like I guess you said that um, some people were kind of, like, apprehensive about, like, L the LGBT community. I was wondering, like, was that because of religion or, like, what were the other factors that were uh, making people, like, apprehensive? Um, that's a good question. So, um, I don't know that St. Paul is a more or less religious town than most, um... I think that, you know, in the, in the 90s, we kind of just had this more so awakening and um, people were starting to become more comfortable coming out, if that makes sense. And so yeah. before that, like yeah. when I was a younger kid, it was just just not talked about as much and people just weren't as comfortable um, dealing with it, I think. Mm -hmm. And the Midwest in general, Northern Minnesota, or sorry, Northern, Northern, Upper Midwest um, is kind of known for being a little bit, 
stoic or kind of like don't talk about your feelings. Yeah. And I think part of that is my grandparents' generation, the generation that went through, you know, World War Two, they were kind of like, um, I mean, my grandpa was like this at least. Like, you don't, you know, you don't, you don't air your personal issues, yeah. kind of. It was kind of like, I guess, don't That's... ask, don't tell in a way, but it was about, like, everything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I think, I don't know. I guess, um, I don't know that, I don't know that St. Paul... Well, and it really actually, you know what? It was really more middle school where I really actually started to question my sexuality. And that was, we were living in Texas at that time. So yeah, at that point, I actually was in Catholic school and that was difficult, (laughs) actually. So that was somewhat religious related um, because the... uh, there's a lot of shame, you know, in sort of the Catholic church. Yeah, I went to Catholic school also <laughs> in high school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's so weird, you know, the, Catholic, the Catholic church really is not in a good position to judge anybody, we find out later, you know, with all the mistakes that they've made. Yeah. Um, but yet somehow it was instilled into us, like, this is, this is bad or whatever, so. What was it like seeing, like, your first queer couple? Oh, wow. So I remember this pretty well, actually. So there were these two women um, that, so by this time we'd moved back to Minnesota. I probably met queer couples before that and just didn't know that they were queer. Yeah. But um, so we were back in, in Minnesota and I was probably like a junior in high school, maybe. And we were at... I think we went to go pick berries at like this hobby farm and there were these two women and they both had short hair (laughs) and I looked at them and I was like, are you guys sisters? And they're like, (laughs) and they looked at each other and they're like, no. (laughs) And I just kind of was, I just kind of looked at them and I was just like, okay, what's the deal here? (laughs) And I had like this kind of vague inkling that maybe they were a lesbian couple (laughs) And also that was kind of like, I didn't really think about it that much at the time, but later I was like, oh yeah, yeah, they were definitely, (laughs) it's funny. Like how once you like grow up, you like certain things, just like, it's like, oh, wait a minute. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Yeah. But by that time, I guess you already knew that you were like queer. By that time, I didn't know. I was uh, I was in a de- state of denial, I guess you could say. Okay. Uh, I, well, I was questioning my sexuality, but I hadn't let anybody know that. I hadn't come out to anybody. So, um, so actually, it was it, it it was because I, you know, I was dealing with anxiety and depression because of that, and so to see these two women was also like okay it this may be possible it might be possible that if you were to tell somebody they're not gonna like disown you and your uh, life yeah. will not be completely ruined yeah. you know so so it, it was it was it was an important moment yeah <laughs> yeah definitely so what's um I guess this will be my last question um so what's been your like um 
most self-expressive piece of art? I guess the art that most represents you that you've made. They are all self-expressive, probably in different ways. Um, I mean, I already told you about Gender Freak and kind of how that was. The Pantheon, the web series that we um, that we made, um, that project was kind of cool because, um, you know, I grew up reading a lot, even more so. We, we There was a period where my, my dad wouldn't allow us to have a TV. And so, and then, and so... I read a lot as a kid. Like we'd go to the library and I'd check out like nine books, you know, and they were most, many of them would be above what I should be reading at that particular <laughs> age. Um, but my parents kind of just let me read whatever. And it's weird because they were way more restrictive about what we watched than about what we read. <laughs> and um, so the Pantheon is based on the Greek gods, but it's adapted for like, the modern day. Um, Dan Valero Fletcher is the um, creator of the web series and he's a friend of mine. We've been in a writing group together for a number of years now. And um, so he had said that they had with the first couple episodes before I was involved had tried to kind of submit to like this literary based web series. And that kind of reminded me, Oh yeah, one of my first loves is actually literature. And so um, doing work that is kind of based on literature is, is something that I would like to do more of. Um, so it was really, it was pretty fun for me. Um, I made a project that was not a good film really, <laughs> but was very much expressive. <laughs> um, and this was a film that was very much based on my personal journey, um, dealing with a chronic illness and um that film was about kind of what it's like to be the person and also what it's like to be the partner of a person who is dealing with something that comes and goes kind of that some days is better and some days is worse and um so that was a very personal film but it was not a very good film <laughs> it had its flaws <laughs> so I'm sure, like... <laughs> um, I don't know. You win some, you lose some, yeah. I guess you could say. So do you have any, like... I guess I already asked you about, like, for, like, younger artists, but do you have any advice for artists in general, like, right now? Just, I guess, as of today? No, I feel like I'm... I need advice, you know? I, I feel like I'm <laughs> ill-equipped to dispense advice. <laughs> I'm looking for advice. Um, um, no, I feel... I guess it's imposter syndrome. Who am I to offer advice? Um... <laughs> No, I think, um, yeah, I mean, in some way, shape, or form, you're going to end up doing work that is true to you in some way, and so why not set out with that goal mm -hmm. in mind, I guess? Um, yeah, just be yourself, I guess. Yeah, it's just about, I guess, being authentic. Yeah, yeah. Cool, well, um, I guess this is the point in the podcast where you can ask me any questions that you have for me. Okay, very cool. Um, so um, what prompted you to start the podcast? Um, I used to, like, work in D.C., so I would, like, go to happy hour, just, like, I guess, like, blow off, like, traffic, like, you know, just, like, wait until, you know, like... Because I, I lived, like, about, like, 35 minutes from D.C. without traffic, but maybe, like, an hour and 15 with traffic. So I would just, like, you know, like, wait, yeah. and then I would end up, like, sitting and having a conversation with someone at the bar, and I'd be like, 
you know, wow, this is like really interesting, but this person is like really different from me. And I was just thinking how interesting it would be if somebody could like hear this conversation and like find kind of like you were saying earlier about like the similarities and differences between people. And I feel like we all kind of have like something in common with someone else and obviously something different from someone else. But um, I guess I wanted to highlight those similarities in people. Oh, that's really neat. And then for you, um, do you do other forms of art as well in addition to the podcast? Yeah, um, I do photography. Um, I've done like a little bit of painting, not like anything like realistic, kind of just like copying like cartoon figures or something like that. Um, Stuff for like my dorm room or something. Um, And I'm not sure. I guess it's more of a craft, like knitting and crocheting. Oh, yeah. And um, what, um, what is your favorite film? My favorite film, um, V for Vendetta. Oh. Yeah, I could watch that, like, pretty much any day. <laughs> That's a fun one. But sure. actually, um, sure. the Homecoming by Beyonce just came out. I'm, like, a huge Beyonce fan, so, like, that's, like, creeping in. I, it's not, like, a film film, but, you know, so it's yeah. more of a documentary. Yeah. I haven't watched that yet. I need to watch that. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> Changed my life. <laughs> What do you look for in a podcast guest? Um, I look for, I guess, I, this sounds like a cop-out, I guess. It's like entertaining conversation, but also someone that has a story. I, it kind of depends, you know, like it's just something, um, I'm not really sure how I look for people. I guess it's like, you know, like they say, je ne sais quoi, like, you don't really know, but I guess you know it, like, when you see it. Yeah. Neat. Um, I guess our situation is a little different, but um, I knew the story behind you, I guess. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, um, what advice would you have for people that want to start a podcast? Um, just do it just step out there and do it. Honestly, I feel like we spend a lot of time just, um, thinking about either like what somebody's going to think, what people are going to think, um, how to make things perfect. Um, obviously you have to like, you know, um, flesh out your ideas, but I think sometimes you spend too much time in the planning stage. So I would say just like start interviewing people or, I mean, depending on what your podcast is going to be about, just start, working actively on it um instead of I guess passively and also set a date because once you like for me um with goal setting I have to set a date and I have to like have like a quantity like something that's quantifiable um in order for me to like you know like really meet the goal so I would say um yeah just get started set a date and yeah get out there and that's I guess for any art also (laughs) say that again i would say um that's for any art also yeah absolutely yeah i think so it's good advice regardless (laughs) um so we'll wrap this up and if you have any social media that you want to plug you can do that here okay super um i'm at r louisell that's l-o-u-i-s-e-l-l on instagram and um youtube.com um the pantheon forward slash the pantheon um, spelled the normal Greek way, P-A-N-T-H-E-O-N. So that's our um, Pantheon um, 
web series, and you can watch all four episodes there. And we would love if you would subscribe to our channel. And do you have any other projects that you're working on that you want to share with um, the people? Um, oh, actually, this is kind of big. So um, Gender Freak, that short film that I mentioned, is um, going up for a prize on Amazon June 3rd to the 17th. Mm. And so I don't actually know exactly um, what people are supposed to do because they haven't told me yet. But there's something in that time window if we win, then I could get money <laughs> and that could help the next project. So, yeah. um, so that's kind of cool, but I don't have all the details yet, unfortunately. Okay. All right. Great. Um, thank you so much for being on the show and like taking your time out. Um, thank you so much for having me. It was really fun. It was fun to meet you. <laughs> um, if you guys would like to follow the podcast, you can do that at NTMY podcast on Twitter and Instagram. And if you would like to subscribe to the podcast, you can do that on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Search Nice to Meet You and click on the blue logo with the black text. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I will see you next week.